0: Mr. Ryan Moray, he's going to bring us so give it up to him. Yeah, Ryan! Yeah. Okay, morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Testing, testing. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Ryan! Oh, boy. Okay. My name is Ryan. I'm part of the family here at Heritage. And that, that beautiful, beautiful lady right, right there, there, that's my, my best friend my and my wife. wife. She's not part of the youth group. She's my wife. And uh, I have four kids. Ryder's right there. And the other ones are in the class. They're not our siblings. They are our kids. Actually, they're not our kids. They belong to the Lord. And we get to watch them for about 18 years. The girls were going to keep them for about 33 years. There we go. (laughs) Okay. uh, Let me tell you about myself here. My name is Ryan. Um, I'm from my day job. I'm an active-duty Navy chaplain there at Camp Pendleton. And so I am um, basically a youth pastor for the world's largest youth group. So we have 68,000 people over there at Camp Pendleton. There's not a reason why I'm going to use this as my little plug here, why every single one of those service members shouldn't be adopted by a family in the surrounding city. Do you know what I mean? Amen. Like, Amen. Like getting young couples into your homes, getting single guys into your homes— uh, we grew up here in the '80s, and my, my parents had a uh, lance corporal Wollancing living at our house on the weekends. So, so do that. Uh, the the small group within that big youth group was, a, was my small group at First Marine Regiment. It's a very famous uh, regiment in the Marine Corps. If you've watched uh, most Marine Corps movies, it's going to be out of First Marine Division or First Marine Regiment. And yes, we recently lost ten service members from our regiment in Afghanistan. And let me just encourage you, those guys did not die in vain. Every single one of those guys raised their hand and took an oath, knowing full well with full knowledge that their lives can be taken from them. They lived to serve and they died serving. They died doing what they signed up to do. So the guys are gonna hate me for doing this, but can we give up, can you, can the Marines stand up here, Marines and sailors or anybody who's ever served here? Anybody who's ever served, please. We'll so, okay. um, Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for letting me do that for you. Um, yeah, pray for them. Bless them. Invite them into your house. Uh, because they're, and if you saw what I get to see, you, you, you would be so proud of them and stepping on the front line. And, Anyways, God bless America. We get to worship here today, and no one's going to throw rocks in our windows because we're worshiping Jesus or proclaiming his name for the world to hear, and it's, it's, it's courtesy of the military and their families behind them that we get, we get to do that, um, at least for now. Okay, so let's keep praying that we keep getting to do this, because we love our freedom, and that's the message for today, is freedom from sexual sin, lust adultery so we are in our second week of of the proverbs series and peter said okay so i he got the team together he said ryan i'll do week one you do week two jared will do this week and then and i said well what's what's week two he goes it's adultery and i go oh my gosh okay but let me tell you something i feel like god's prepared my whole life for this moment I've never spoken about this topic before. I've always wanted to avoid it, but I believe when I was looking over my notes and all this prep for all the week is that my whole life was geared for this moment to talk about this very uncomfortable topic with all of you. And if you're feeling uncomfortable here today, I just want to let you know this place, we've already prayed for this place. This is a place of healing, and this is a place where shame isn't welcome here. This is a place where toxic shame is checked in at the door, Amen. and it's safe. Amen. This is a safe place. We don't harbor fear here. We don't harbor, harbor bitterness, toxic, shame, all that. This is a place where you can be fully known and fully loved, okay? So that's, that's adultery. Now, this word, adultery, um, Jesus, is I'll, right off the bat, let me open up to the words of Jesus here. He says, some of you heard, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, this is Matthew 5, 28, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery, with her in his heart. And this applies both ways. This isn't just a passage for guys. It's, no, it's, it's both ways. For Jesus, the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. and starts in the heart. And that's the issue with adultery. But let me ask you something. What's the most perverted thing in the world? What's the most twisted thing in the universe? What has been distorted more than any other thing that we've heard from from? From the youngest person here to the oldest, what's the most twisted thing? And it's this. Sex. Anybody ever see a counterfeit penny? No, you don't see counterfeit pennies. You only see things that are counterfeited that are of great value. Gold, silver, $100 bills. You don't counterfeit stuff that's cheap. And sex is so important to God. It's so precious that the enemy spends all of his time attacking that one thing, distorting that one thing, and twisting it so that you experience it when you're not supposed to be experiencing it, when you're taking it outside of the bounds of marriage, when you're supposed to keep it within the bounds of marriage, and it's totally twisted. That's why there is an assault on your life in the area of sexual purity. That's why there's an assault on your life that the enemy hates the divine institution of marriage, and he wants to destroy your marriage. And he's going to do it through lust, and he's going to do it through sex. For the young ones in here, there is an assault on your life to get you to no longer be pure. If we could bottle up, I was just watching my kids on the beach the other day just playing. It's actually watching Ryder and his friend. They were just, after they surfed, they got there and they were just playing in the shore break. And I, and I said to someone else, I said, if we could just bottle that innocence right there, that would be amazing. But if you live life long enough, You live life long enough, you get hurt. Or you hurt other people. And things happen. And then you're gonna have to bring those things to the Lord. It's it's it doesn't happen, it happens really quick. So that's that's adultery. The the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. And I'm gonna brag on my friend here, Colin Heinrich. He he wrote a he has an album called Politics of the Heart. His whole album is about the heart. Is Colin here today? His parents are here. Yes, it's all about the heart. What is the heart? The heart. So it's the Greek word cardia. You know what the cardia is, right? It's, it's, it's your heart. A cardiologist. What's a cardiologist? It's a doctor of the heart. But when the Greeks use the word, when the Bible uses the word cardia, in the, in the, in the Hebrew it's lave, in the New Testament it's, it's cardia, it's not talking about the physical blood pumping organ that pumps blood throughout your system. It's talking about the deepest part of your soul. The heart, it contains three things your mind, your will, and emotions. It's the thinking capacity of your being. It's the decision maker. It's where you make all your decisions. So, whenever we do things with our hands, with our heads, with our, with our, we say things with our mouth, it always originates in the heart. And whatever you fill your heart with, it flows out of your mouth. And you could reverse it too. Whatever's coming out of your mouth, whatever you're doing with your hands, whatever you're doing with your feet, whatever it's taking you, it begins with the heart. The heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. In fact, there's a word, it's called psychosomatics. Have you ever heard psychosomatics? It's made up of two Greek words, your psycho, your your psyche, your soul, your psyche, and when your psyche, when your soul fills up with something, i.e. stress, anger, love, hate, bitterness, whatever, forgiveness, it fills up your psyche, your soul, and it has nowhere to go until it overflows into your soma, your soma is your body. Hence the word "psychosoma your soul filling up your soul, going into your body. So if you fill your soul with stress, it ends up giving you an ulcer, maybe a headache, maybe diarrhea, maybe whatever. a canker sore. but it works your way it, it starts in your soul. It starts in your heart, and it works its way into your body, and you think, "Man, my head hurts. Man, this hurts. Man I'm ca- man, I'm getting sick or, or whatever. It starts with the heart. Everything we put in our heart, we have to guard our heart with everything. And I'm pleading with you, with the young ones, you have to guard your heart. What you see, sometimes you could never unsee. What you say, sometimes you could never unsay. But it all begins with guarding our heart. The Lord tells us to do this. This book is full of wisdom. So now that brings us to our series in Proverbs. Just really quick, Peter did an excellent job of giving you an overview of Proverbs. Let's just throw the five W's at this book right now. Who wrote it? a guy named King Saul yeah it's a king the wisest man who ever lived who is he writing to he's writing to his son or sons he had two sons um, I think mostly it's to Rehoboam because he's the one that, that takes the kingdom and then the other one is, is the son from uh, the, the queen of uh Sheba uh, anyways he has two sons and here you see this picture I love this picture it's a son holding a light for a dad who's ever done that? who did that come on what sons have held the light? Uh, my brother-in-law showed me a meme. It says, you can't hurt my feelings. I used to hold the flashlight for my dad. So they've been doing this since day one. Okay? They've been doing it since day one. So who wrote it? Who was it written to? Um, the purpose of, of Proverbs is, is Hokma. wisdom. In the Septuagint, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, it's Sophia. You know what Sophia is? It's wisdom. So let's just say that, I don't know, I have this thing here. Knowledge tells me I just have this thing. Wisdom says, oh, if I twist this little cap off here, oh, it's water. This thing holds water. See, that's wisdom. See, so knowledge is just a fact. I I have facts here. Knowledge is when that, a wisdom is when that knowledge is now applied. It becomes wisdom. So a lot of us who have been around longer than someone else, we have wisdom. We have wisdom, and we would love for you, young people, which everybody in here is young, right? My grandma was old; she was almost 100 years old. But wow. so she, so we give wisdom to those who are coming in behind us. We just give away wisdom, okay? Um, the The purpose of Proverbs is is wisdom, and wisdom brings people into a right theological relationship with God and with others. The shalom that was broken. Okay, for my section today, it's I'm talking about Proverbs. See, we're supposed to be the proverb of day. Right, We were supposed to read, uh, it's a great reading program. I learned this program back, I don't know, like 20 years ago. Someone said, my, my, my friend Dan said, here, barangatang, that's what he called me, barangatang. If, just, just look at the calendar. If it's the 10th, then read Proverbs 10. And if you skip a day, who cares? It's like drinking water. If you didn't drink water on Monday, you're not going to drink twice as much on Tuesday. You're just going to just drink water. So your Bible reading program for the rest of your life will be just pick, read a proverb of the day. And I've been doing that for a long time. It's amazing. In fact, when Ryder was a baby, when he was in Jeanette's womb, I used to rub Palmer's cream on, on Jeanette's belly, and I'd read him a proverb of the day every day for nine months. And then when he was born, I think my mom was holding him, and I was reading him Proverbs 9 because he was born on April 9th. That's why Ryder's like a mini Solomon. He's like wise, super wise. Okay, so uh, this, is, this is my section here. Uh, t- and it's ten letters, right? And Proverbs 1 through 9 is the first section of Proverbs and it's 10 letters from a father to a son. And this father is pleading, like, please, son, listen to me. I have wisdom. And here we go. The sections 5 through 7 is about this adulterous woman. It starts off with lust. It, it goes into adultery. And then it goes into how destroyed. So let's just, I'm just going to breeze through a Proverbs 5 here really quick. 5, 6, and 7. I'm just going to give you the highlights. Okay? And, and, and you were supposed to read this during the week anyway. So let's, let's look at this. My son... Pay attention to my wisdom. This is five one. Listen closely to my understanding, so that you may maintain discretion and your lips safeguard knowledge. Through the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her words are smoother than oil. In the end, she is as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword. Every every Friday at Camp Pendleton, we have what's called a liberty brief, like where they get all the Marines together and say, "Hey guys, you're about to go in town, do this." And and most of them are not good, right? For all the, those are not good briefs. Don't don't do anything stupid, like. What does that mean? They don't know what that means. (laughs) What we should do is just be reading Proverbs every Friday to them. Okay, uh, Marines, sailors, listen up. Um, Yeah, here we go. Proverbs, uh, let's go to 6. My son, keep your father's command. Don't reject your mother's teaching. Always bind them to your heart. Tie them to your neck. All right, Marines, listen to this. Proverbs 7. My son, obey my words and treasure my commands. Keep my commands and live and guard my instructions and you... And as you would the pupil of your eye, um, avoid the adulterous woman. <laughs> Don't go to Big Helens, Marines. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we used to go there all the time for, for an officer and staff NCO uh, fellowship. Um, but, but a lot of these things, Marines are just walking right into, right into traps. I've been on deployments all over the world. And trafficking in persons is a real thing. I've, I've been to I've been to six of the seven continents and it seems like everywhere we go, like who's giving away our positions? Because then these prostitutes will just be there waiting for us. And I'm raising my hand thinking, like, isn't this illegal? Oh chaps, you know, yeah, just what Marines do on their personal time is their personal time. No, this is illegal. So I've reached out to several organizations and I'm, I'm not afraid to whistleblow on that. There's illegal stuff going on. Right, this is this is human this is modern day human slavery, yes. and I get the privilege of going wherever like my my co my commanding officer one time is an amazing man. He goes, chaplain, doctor, sergeant major. This is our liberty group because I, I got to be seen, I can't be seen with anybody else. We're going with you, and we're gonna we're gonna go into all the forbidden areas of Pattaya Beach, Thailand, which is like evil Disneyland, right? This is crazy. And I saw modern day slavery. I saw sexual perversion at its worst. I mean, it makes anything in the U.S. It makes Las Vegas look like Disneyland or whatever. We walked into one room, and, and I, I saw a bunch of little boys on stage being auctioned off for money. Went to another bar. It's just like a window, and ladies lined up in the window and with tags. You can say, I want number five. See, see... Sexuality is the most perverted thing in the world because it's the most valuable to God. And we have to stand up for these things. But look at, if you read Proverbs 5 through 7, you will see that there's a a tone of voice that Solomon has. Look at here in in Proverbs 6, 26, uh, 25. Don't lust in your heart for her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyelashes. See, adultery begins with the heart, and then it goes to the eyes, and then it goes to action. Even even Solomon knows this. Verse 26, For a prostitute's fee is only a loaf of bread, but the wife of another man goes after a precious life. Wait a minute. Who slept with another man's wife that Solomon would be thinking about? You know Solomon's story? Do Do you know Solomon's who his dad is? I can't help but think when I read uh, Proverbs 6, 5, 6, and 7, that as he's penning this, it's breaking his heart because he knows how much sexual sin has destroyed his family. Like, he's writing about his dad here. King David did this, took another man's wife. Verse 28, can a man, oh, verse 27, can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? This one's great for, you know, having... Been around youth, I was a high school wrestling coach as well. So like the young guys ask always ask these questions. That's applicable right here. How far can I go? How what's well, like dipping your hand in, in you know in, in gasoline and saying, How close can I get to that flame before that thing just blows me up? Yeah. It's the same thing here. Can a man walk on burning coals without scorching his feet? Verse twenty-nine, six twenty-nine, so it is with the one who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Solomon's writing this, and I bet there's tears in his eyes thinking what's happened. Just just recap. If you ever go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 and 19, it talks about the destruction. that all starts in a a time when kings go to war and David was at home. That's his first problem. He's being lazy because his troops were out in the field and he was home, and he sees a lady named Bathsheba on her roof uh, bathing. Apparently that was... What they did back then. And he says to his guards, go get that woman and bring her here. You know what that's called? It's called premeditated rape. It's called using his power and position to get someone in his house and he rapes her. And then she gets pregnant. And then after that, this you see in the next few chapters, everything just starts unraveling. They end up losing that baby. And so Solomon's thinking, man, I could have had an older brother. So my my mom was raped, and then and then my older brother, who was supposed to be my older brother, he's he's he died, and then King David had other sons. He had a son named Amnon, and if you read Second Samuel, Amnon ends up raping his sister Tamar, and he covers it up, and his his friend helped him do it, and then Absalom, the other son, the third son, hates his brother, and two years later he murders him, and then. Three years later, after that, Absalom turns on King David and causes a rebellion. And then he's running away, and his hair gets caught in a tree, and then David's men spear him through. It's just a mess. Yeah. All going back to sexual sin and the destruction that goes through all the family. And we, we don't have to. We don't have to um, lie here. Remember, we, we, we can be safe here. There's not a single family in here that hasn't been affected by this. And that's why the passion is coming from Solomon to his sons. Please, I'm pleading with you with you boys. Don't do it. Avoid it. Now in this as we talk about this subject, uh, there's going to be about I think about three different groups in here. Maybe maybe the first group is this. Oh shoot. I'm I'm in an adulterous relationship right now. And and we're saying we we don't we're not judging we're here to say, thank God that you're here because we're gonna preach the truth and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free if you so choose to receive it. See, so this is the safest place you could be. This is where God wants you to be if you're in an adulterous relationship because we have the scriptures to tell us exactly what to do and the way out. You're not trapped. You are not trapped. You're safe and you're loved. Maybe there's another category of, of adultery happened, uh, cheating on your spouse already happened, but that's, you say that's in the way, that's in the past and, and that's it, it's done, it's dealt with. Well, I interviewed my friend Matt, who said I could share this, but when he met me, when we met, he goes, man, Ryan, I thought you're the dumbest person ever, because why would you tell your wife even, like, you're lusting, like, you haven't even done anything, you tell her, he goes, that's dumb, and after six months of meeting with him, every Monday at a golf course for for breakfast and discipleship, he goes, man, I gotta tell you a secret, man, two times I I, uh, cheated on my wife. And I promised myself I would take this to the grave. And God's already forgiven me. And he was a leader in our church. He played the guitar. He was leading our small group. But he had this little secret. And he promised himself that he would bring it to the grave. And, and he goes, and then I met you. And I was like, dang it. God does not want me to bring it to the grave. And he's free. He's completely free. We fasted for a day. And he says, I'm going to tell my wife. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But they're free. And now they're stepping into the light. They have no more bondage in their life of of fear because they've come into the light. Um, so there's that category, right? And maybe you're sitting here today and you say it's done with, and I've confessed it, and there's nothing else to do with. Well, well, that's that's good. Now, now, just like in recovery programs, let's go and help sponsor someone else. Let's help keep that freedom going. Maybe there's another category where, like, man, I'm not even married, and well you according to jesus right you don't have to uh it's, it's lust jesus says if you've lusted after uh, someone in your heart then you've committed adultery and the things we do now can lead to adultery later on because nobody in here i promise you nobody who is married ever plans to have an adultery relationship nobody does that how does it happen well, it can happen in several ways, and so let me let me let me talk about that now. I'm going, to, I'm going to switch gears here, but so Proverbs is a letter from a father to a son, right? So I'm going to just for a second, writer, can you come up here? I'm going to show you my son, and then my other Ryder. son is right there, right? Because, because this gets real to me because it's a it's a father writing to his two sons. Solomon had two sons. I have two sons. He, my writer is like my stunt double. See evidences. Okay, now watch this. Watch this. This is Ryder, 12 years old, right? At Shorecliffs Junior High, um, 2021. There you go. That's me in 2000. No, 1992, 12 years old, Shorecliffs Junior High. So, yep, yep. And um, there's, nothing, there's nothing more fun to me than, than getting surpassed by my son. Right, like during quarantine, we really took skateboarding seriously. So I built a built a quarter pipe, and then everybody was skating it. And I used to beat Ryder at skate now, and I, I, I can't even stand a chance. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a proud dad, and there's nothing I would want to do more than just give all the wisdom I have to my to my sons. Um, you know, you dress the same, whatever, wearing Buell wetsuits, whatever. I, I want to give everything to my sons. And sometimes when I watch Ryder, re- who's on the wrestling team in Virginia, and he re- uh, grapples jiu-jitsu now, and sometimes when I watch him, I just want to put my brain in his head and just do it for him, but we can't. I can't do that. But so all I can do is give Ryder uh, all the wisdom that I have. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, Ryder! Okay, okay, so every year I write, I write a letter to my sons, and I basically write them Proverbs. And so I've been, I've been saturating my mind over Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 and I just did my own little thing. So I, I instead of writing a letter to my sons, um, I'm going to spend the next few minutes, uh, I wrote a letter to myself. And this is super, super um, intense for me, so I'm just going to read it. And it's a letter to my 12-year-old self. And I'm going to give myself all the secrets of life and everything that's going to happen. Um, so here, here we go. Dear Ryan, this is your 40-year-old self. In 2021, writing to encourage you. In 1992, for the journey ahead. I know you're thinking he's 40. Yeah. Look at. <laughs> I know. I know. I wish it was. You know, it's, it's genetics. Like my mom looks like a teenager too. Okay. Okay. Uh, you'll have an incredible year for the uh, an incredible journey for the next 28 years. Your life is totally in God's hands. It will be a constant display of God's keeping power through all these trials and tribulations. You will be, Ryan, you'll be a display of God's grace and his mercy. First of all, Ryan, I want you to know that you're a good kid. Please, always remember that. You'll be given a lot of labels, and as an adult, you'll give yourself a lot of labels, but I always want you to remember that your true identity is in God. Please remember that. I want you to refuse every negative label given to you by people. In one of my favorite books, Abba's Child, Brendan Manning says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. Even better than that, Ryan, listen to this. Listen to the Bible. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, 12 says, But to all who did receive him, that's talking about Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Ryan, you are resilient, and God gave you a divine amount of enthusiasm. Yeah. And enthusiasm actually literally means God in you. And us enthusiasm. Most people can't even keep up with it, but I'm going to give it to you. Now, let me give you some tips of all the things that are that are coming ahead. Pre-adolescence is a tough time. That's where you're at right now. You're 12 years old. Next year, you're going to be a teenager. Things are going to be a little different. But when I look back, here's here's I'm going to give you a, a summary of everything. Elementary school is all about having fun and recess and Nintendo. They're real Nintendo. 1984 Nintendo. Uh, junior high was all about being annoying and arguing with adults and parents and seeing what we can get away with. High school is about being cool, wearing cool clothes, listening to cool punk rock music, watching cool surf videos, and pretending to be older than we really were, fake IDs, and trying to party like we were adults. College is really cool because you get to live amongst your peers. You're going to go to the best college in the world called Biola University. Okay, um, taking the most... But, but college can easily turn into who's the smartest, who's taking the most units, who's majoring something that's way harder than the next person, um, who's being holier than everyone else. That's, it'll turn into that pretty quick. Grad school will be about honing your skills. For, for me, for, for your, for our, it was our calling to ministry. However, these will be really, really dark years, Ryan. You're going to get a lot of theological knowledge, but you will lack humility and true love for people. It doesn't help that your fiance at this time will, will dump you, and you'll spend a year depressed. But thank God immediately when it happens, when she leaves you, because God will allow you to meet a few of the bad ones before you meet the right one. Trust me, Ryan. Don't get all sad as if one breakup's the end of the world. Trust me. God has something way better for you. Now, when you start your career, you'll act like you have a lot of experience, but you don't. But your mentors will be very patient with you, and you'll grow out of that mindset. Nobody will rush you. You'll be surrounded with the best people. Now, marriage phase, that will be the highlight of your life. You'll know within four months that she's the one for you. It'll be an epic adventure of highs and lows, and you'll never doubt that she's tailor-made for you. She is your isha, and you are her ish. That's Hebrew for man and woman. Now, having kids is a trip. You'll have four, and they're going to look exactly like you. (laughs) But just remember this, Ryan. Ryan. When you're a kid, you don't realize that you're also watching your parents grow up. So have patience with them, please. Yeah. And you're not going to do a better job than them. It's, it's like everybody starts over and over and over. And we just—it's the same poop, different scoop. Okay, Ryan? Okay. Uh, and there you have it, Ryan. I'm 40. I'm halfway through the average lifespan of a human being. I wish I could tell you that this was an easy, happy life, but it's not. It's way better. It's a life full of trials. And with Jesus, there's so much joy to have. I want you to remember this, Ryan. It's not about you. You're not going to realize that right now, but later on you will understand. The more you realize that this world doesn't revolve around you, you'll be free to love and live like Jesus and to serve others. It's not about me. I'm still thinking about getting that tattoo on my arm, but I don't think I'll do it. But just hang on to that truth for right now, Please. So you're, you're 12 years old, you're in middle school, right now you're arguing with your, your mom and dad a lot, you're fighting with your brother and your sisters, you're getting in trouble in, uh, in school, and, and you'll even get suspended from Shorecliffe Junior High for stealing someone's Omega yo-yo. Crazy. <laughs> but just remember that those are just little bumps in the road. That'll make great sermon illustrations later on. I just want you to remember this, Ryan. Your current misbehavior is just a misuse of your God-given gifts. So later on, your parents will take you to some counselor, and the counselor will label you as ADD. Attention deficit disorder. But t- don't mind that. That label won't even exist in 10 years, I promise you. It's just another label given by man to describe someone who's easily distracted, and experts say, well, it, it's an incurable condition. No. You you just get bored easily when you're not challenged. And God's gonna use that condition later on to get a lot of ministry done in a short amount of time. There we go. Trust me. Uh, you don't realize it now, but, but you are actually smaller than all of your classmates. In fact, you will always be the smallest in your class, but you don't even know it. You know why? Because your mom always reminded you of your identity in Christ, and she will be your number one fan, giving you affirmation and encouragement always. I'm serious. Kids will make fun of you. You won't know why. They'll grab you. They'll call you midget. They'll, they'll, but you'll stand up to them. Why? Because you think you're bigger than them, and your mom treated you like you were larger than life. So, Ryan, listen to me. Love your mom. Be thankful for her. Don't give her a hard time. Tell her you love her, always. She will never turn her back on you. She's always praying for you, and, and all of your successes will be because she's behind the scenes praying for you. So, love you, mom. Okay. Uh, now, during junior high, you're going to butt heads with your dad a lot. You're going to resent him for, for what he makes you do. Uh, you're going you're gonna to hate it. All the work, all the chores, but when you're an adult, man, you're going to love it. You're going to cherish it. Be thankful every day for your dad. I know, I know, Ryan, he could be harsh at times, and it seems like he's overreacting, but trust me. You're going to be thankful every day for the hard work and discipline he imparted to you when you're my age. And when you're 40, it's going to come unexpected, but your dad will die. God will take him home. So I'm telling you right now, Ryan, enjoy every moment that you have with him. Embrace him. And embrace all the things he's trying to teach you. He's the epitome of hard work and, and dedication to a family. Okay, Ryan, for the rest of this letter, I'm, gonna, I'm going to warn you against a major temptation in your life. I'm going to talk to you about lust, sexual temptation, and adultery, which means when, when, when a, a man or woman cheats on his, his husband or wife. So Jesus says this, Ryan. Listen to the words of Jesus. Everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery, with her in his heart. So Ryan, it all started when you were a little kid. It all started when you were a little kid, and it's not going to make sense to you, but later on you'll understand. Someone was supposed to be watching you, your brother, and your cousins. You're all boys. It was a trusted person, but the person hurt you, boys. The person did something to you that people shouldn't do to other boys who are young. And so at this point, Ryan, it, it your experience as a little kid twisted your understanding of what was appropriate and inappropriate. And that won't be the last time something like this happens. In high school, you'll be sleeping and someone will take advantage of you. There'll be several instances where people that you trusted, people that your family trusted, take advantage of you and take advantage of your innocence. Now, here's the crazy thing. You're not even going to realize any of that happened until you're in your 30s. Your drive and competitiveness will become apparent first in sports and then later on in school. Your life of perfectionism and drivenness will drive you. You'll be competitive. Everything will always feel like a challenge or a competition. You'll thrive on that. You'll always try to preserve all your toys. You don't want your toys to be broken. You don't want things to get dirty. You don't want your clothes to be dirty. And you'll have a hard time sharing because you don't want people to mess up your stuff. Well, it's because when you were a kid, someone took something from you. Someone took your innocence, and the older you get, you'll become more obsessed with avoiding germs and calling things dirty. And then you get another label, OCD guy. And In college, you won't even touch doorknobs. You'll wipe things down with sanitizing wipes. You'll get disgusted when people do things. You'll notice a lot of things that most people won't. And in 2020, there'll be this crazy thing called the pandemic, and you will rejoice because you won't have to touch anything. You do not have to go around anybody. But even that thing will go away and we'll forget about that like Y2K. So um, I wish I could tell you that you grow out of this, Ryan, and you get over it. But I'm writing to you today saying it hasn't gone away. You're, you're still dealing with it. You're still working through it. And you'll apologize many times for yelling at your kids for putting your toothbrush on the sink or letting their towel brush against the toilet when they're getting out of the bath or sitting on the floor when they've already showered and they're already clean and for touching things, and you're going to say, that's dirty, but, Ryan, that all flows out of the wounds from your childhood that were never addressed. That's why you do those things. And I want to encourage you, Ryan, in times, in time, God's going to bring a tremendous amount of healing. He's going to bring the right people into your life at the right time. I'm not going to rush this. I'm going to let you experience life like this so that you have something to share. On the 10th of October in 2021. Your mission in life will, will be very simple, right? Your ears will become grays where people can bury their problems and begin healing. That's gonna be the mantra for the rest of your life. I'm gonna allow you to be a Navy chaplain and Navy chaplains are the only people in the entire DOD that can hear something and not report it. Everybody else is a mandated reporter. Homicide, suicide, threats to national security, child abuse, elder abuse, so on and so forth. Everybody has to report, but you'll be the only one only one who doesn't have to report any of that stuff. So you're safe. your office is going to be a very, very safe place, and you're going to hear a lot of brokenness. You're going to get dialed into the brokenness of humanity real quick, but you're going to be an agent of healing. Amen. You're going to be a, a voice of truth. You're going to share the gospel, and you're going to watch people get set free daily. Your wounds manifest in adolescence through rebellion, And uh, let me just give you a little tip here, okay? Everything you hate about adults and your teachers and your parents, I want you to write them all down right now, and I promise you, you're gonna be doing those things in 40 years. (laughs) You're gonna make your kids take out the trash, you're gonna make them clean up after dinner, you're not gonna allow them to watch inappropriate TV shows. By the way, in 2021, everybody will walk around with computers in their pockets and these little TV screens, they're called iPhones, and people won't even have, uh, we won't even have telephones in 2021. It's crazy. You know what the future is like, Ryan? It's like the movie Back to the Future, but except we still don't have hoverboards. We just have some cheap substitute that's on wheels. It's really not a hoverboard. Anyways, uh, when you're 14, everything's gonna click. You're gonna be sitting in a class in summer school and it's gonna click. You're gonna realize where all the discipline is coming from. You'll realize when you're 14 that your parents aren't trying to suck the life out of, suck the fun out of life, but you'll realize they discipline you because they love you. And as you're sitting there in that same chair, in that same class, at St. Clemente High School in the summer, you'll turn to your right and another kid will give you a yellow VHS tape. And he'll say, hey, Ryan, hey, I want you to watch this video. It'll change your life. Ryan, that yellow videotape is called pornography. And it will change your life for the worst. Now, what your classmate did to you was introduce you to an evil, perverted version of something God created, which is sex. Did you know God created sex? And when, it's, when it is within the bounds of marriage where it's supposed to be it is the most beautiful wonderful god glorifying thing but what this person did to you was called sexual abuse he introduced you to something that you had never seen before and it changed your mind so this is the funny part Ryan. you're going to take that videotape home and you're going to put it in the vhs and uh, you're going to watch a little bit of it and then you're going to hear the garage door open and it's going to get stuck in the vhs And you're going to pray, Lord, if you make this tape come out again, I'll never watch this again. And just like that, the videotape will go, it'll come out. You'll put it in your backpack and you'll give it to your neighbor. Ah. (laughs) And you will actually, Ryan, you will never struggle with pornography for the rest of your life because of that one instance. You got scared straight. Now your friends in high school and college and later on, they're gonna show you magazines and they're gonna show you a lot of images that stick in your mind forever, but this one instance will scare you straight, but you'll deal with the consequences of what you saw for the rest of your life. It'll be a battle. When you go to college, you'll feel the need to graduate with honors and then you'll graduate with honors and then you'll say, what's next? I want to do that again. And then you'll go to grad school and you'll graduate with honors and you'll do that again. And then your mentors will tell you to slow down, but you won't listen to them, Ryan, because you'll keep going and you'll go to school again and again. And then you will be so puffed up. You'll be a modern day Pharisee. You'll care more about what you know. You will join a Bible doctrine movement. Well, it's kind of a cult because the cult leader who is very abusive to the congregation, you'll just think that's funny. And your buddies, you and your buddies will make fun of other people who don't have the same theology like you have, who can't exegete like you can exegete. You will laugh when people leave other churches to go to your church. You become a modern-day Pharisee. You'll criticize anybody who's talking about the Holy Spirit, especially people who praise God with their hands in the air. And you'll become sexist and think that only men can contribute in the local church but God will set you free from all of that garbage. Yeah. He will set you free from all that garbage. So throughout the first seven years of your marriage and your, and your career as a Navy chaplain, you will have a religious spirit and a spirit of criticism. It will plague you, Ryan. And at the height of your spiritual arrogance, God will allow you to have a breakdown in order to have a breakthrough. Ryan, you eventually meet the Proverbs 7 woman. You know, the Proverbs 31 woman is the one you married, but the Proverbs 7 woman is the one that was going to destroy your, your marriage. And then Jesus' little brother, James, talks about this and why this happened and how this happened. He says, no one should say I'm being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil. And he himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. You see, right? your unattended wounds of Your past, leading to your pride, gave birth to lust and adultery. Your wounds from childhood led to sexual sin, which led to isolation, which led to hiding behind accomplishment, perfectionism, and drivenness. Jesus said it starts in your heart. You'd been uh, committing adultery for a long time with lust. Your friends and your spiritual mentors will speak truth to you, but, but you wouldn't listen. And then in the darkest hour of your life, right in the dark night of your soul, the Lord will speak to you as clear as day to become fully known, to become fully known by your spouse. And then you're gonna be listening to a sermon from Matt Chandler. And he's gonna say to be 99% known is not to be known. And it's gonna haunt you. And he says there in that sermon, if you are 99% known, then you're not known. And you actually prevent yourself from being loved because you say to yourself, if you knew this 1%, then you wouldn't love me. Therefore, I'm going to keep this 1% so you only get 99. And that will haunt you every day until you become fully known. See, at this point, Ryan, you Jesus is kind of your savior, but he's not fully your savior. And you're going to be encouraged by a man named Dan Moeller who's going to say, Barangatang, the enemy's got nothing on you. You can be fully known and fully loved. And that night of freedom, Ryan, you'll step into that room. It'll be way past midnight because you have prayed and you you would say, Lord, give me everything I need to share because I only want to cry once. And God's going to give you not two things that you asked for, but he's going to give you four things. (laughs) And you're going to stick your fingers in your ear and say, Lord, I'm not talking about those things. And he's going to say, go. I want these four things exposed to your wife. And you're going to expose those four things and she's going to be caught back and she's going to take her breath and she's going to say, thank you for, for being honest. I guess it's my turn. And you're both gonna step into this realm of being fully known and fully loved. You'll be completely free. People will come in from all over the place. Couples will show up at your door. They'll say, can you pick me up? Because I've just been abused. Ministry is gonna thrive. That all happens in your 30s. And you'll spend the next seven years of your life with confession and repentance in the midst of community. And everywhere you go, you will move, by your time you're before, you'll move 10 times. And everywhere you go, you'll build communities of freedom. You're going to role model transparency and vulnerability because it's not going to matter because when you die, we're going to, it's, it's, it doesn't matter anyway. So I want you to live radically for the rest of your life. Don't fear man, only fear God. That's what the book of Proverbs says. You too, the two of you will become fearless for the kingdom and people will be drawn to you and your kids and your family. They will follow you in confession and repentance amidst community. You will, do, you will truly do life together. Your true freedom will come when you fully trust Jesus to be your full Savior. You'll help Matt get free when he realizes he doesn't need anything from his spouse. He'll confess his two cases of adultery. He'll step into that being known, and you will watch them thrive. You will continue in progressive sanctification each day by day in the midst of community. Well, Ryan, that's all the wisdom I have to impart for you now. Enjoy the journey Ahead and always remember, your true identity in Christ. Ryan, live fully loved by being fully known. So, yeah, that's that's it. You know, that's my letters to myself. And I, I'd like to close by by sharing my my favorite illustration of all on how this how this stuff happens. How does adultery happen? How does sexual sin happen? Well, it just goes back to this tree that God gave me years ago. Uh, there's two realms here, right? There's, there's the realm above ground, which is the physical visible world. There's the spiritual world underground, which is called the heart. It's the invisible world and the two are inextricably linked. So with the stuff that we do, let's say that a fruit on the tree is, is adultery or lust or, or addiction to pornography or, or all sorts of things that are coming to your mind right now because the Lord's bringing it to your mind right now. He's bringing it to your mind. He's asking, hey, when it's prayer time, I want you to bring what's coming to your mind now, bring it to here as the prayer team comes up. Uh, so here, here's how it happens. Stuff happens on the tree. The fruit happens on the tree because the roots on the ground are feeding it. And the tree on the right has wounds. And if the, we can never heal what we don't feel, we never feel what we don't talk about. So things need to be talked about. And you get around people who can point out things in your life and speak the truth in love. Then you can say, "Hey, you have these wounds." In fact, I'll, just a little plug. We at the end of the month on October 22nd and 24th, I'm taking a bunch of guys. Last time I took nine Marines on a bus to this organization called Mark Men for Christ, we deal with the five wounds of humanity. Fear, anger, deceit, shame, sadness. Those are the five wounds of humanity. And in this 44-hour men's getaway, they have a women's version called Women's Walk with Christ. We just deal with those five things, and at the end of the 44 hours, there's not a dry eye in the room, and there's a lot of healing and rejoicing in Jesus' name. So I'm pleading with you, the men, men, and the women. We have another one coming on later, but for the men. October 22nd, let's go. God's telling you, hey, you should probably get up there and get some healing. Let's go. Those are those, those, are those wounds right there. Fear, anger, deceit, shame, sadness, fads. And then you know, the, the, the idols of the heart, things we believe in the heart, can lead to the fruit. And then the wounds, the wounds don't help. What does a healthy tree look like? Healthy tree has no bad roots. Every time a root pops up, the roots can be, the roots are basically idolatry, like the worship of comfort, the worship of control, the worship of power, the worship of approval. Things like, oh, I'm doing things because I want to win their approval. Those, those are idols of the heart that manifest into lust. Those things that happen in the heart manifest into cheating. And it's not the, the actual adultery or cheating that's the bad part. It's, this, it's the shame and guilt that lingers after it's kept in secret. And then, after adultery happens, after lust happens, after pornography happens, we have a choice. We can step into the light and to, and to be known in community, or we can become isolated. And isolation is not the worst thing we do, but it's how we do all the worst things. Everything that we do that's bad, it's because it's in isolation. And there's two types of isolation, emotional insulation and emotional isolation. Insulation is like, Scott, you get to know me, but you don't get to know, you get into 99%. Isolation is, you are not even get to know me, I don't, I don't trust anybody. And that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us to step into community. It's about people, it's about relationships, it's about the restoration of shalom here on earth as it is in heaven. So you got no secrets. I have no secrets. With my wife, I have no secrets, because the moment I have a secret, it's a little root underground that's going to... It's going to bear fruit. But if I stay on the right side, then I stay fully known and fully loved in community. Because I, before I used to teach you, first John 1, answer, says, confess your sins to God. But not to man. Just confess it to God. It's already dealt with. And God's like, wait, well, so you confess your sins to me, but you won't confess it to your buddy? So you fear your buddy more than you fear me? That's kind of backwards, isn't it? Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North tells a story about uh, two teenagers. They were in a car. They were doing things they weren't supposed to be doing. And someone said, hey, someone, somebody saw you. And these two teenagers go, what? Are you are you sure Someone saw us? Yeah, God saw you. And they go, oh, God saw me. Okay. I thought, I thought a real person saw me. See, confession of sin to God is sort of like a fairy tale. It becomes real when, it, when, when flesh and blood is right in front of me. So if my buddy Johnny's going to get to know me, if I'm really trusting Jesus, then I'll be like, okay, hey, here, here's where I'm really at you show up exactly where you're really at and you'll be loved. John is one of my favorite authors, he said the only thing between you and healing is hiding. So so right now, I'm going to call, uh, let's, can, can we get the, the, the band up here as we transition into a time of, of um, worship through music? And how about the prayer team as well? Okay? And as your hearts are getting ready, I have two prayers for you. I... I wrote a book called Freedom Vision. And it's, it's, the, the price is $3.90 free. 90 free. You can, it's totally free. You can have it. At the end of the book, I have this, these, this prayer for healing. Now, sexual sin is unlike any other sin. It's unlike any other sin because sexual sin actually binds you to that person. So the bondage has to be broken. See what I'm saying? And it's broken through confession. It's broken through speaking, speaking it. And so right now, if you, if you would, in, in the privacy of your own chair, ask the Lord to bring to your mind any and every sexual misuse of your body as an instrument of unrighteousness. And I promise you, if you pray this, he's going to give it to you. Yeah. The next step after that is, what am I going to do with this? And I encourage you, as the, as the prayer team is going to be standing up here, try him. Test God. Like, okay. I've never, nobody's ever known this before, but I'm gonna step into this and I'm gonna experience the healing power. Experience healing when you finally step in to being known. And the second part of the prayer, for every instance that God gives you, you just say, Lord, I renounce this, whatever act is coming to your mind right now, because God answers that prayer. With this person or this whatever, with yourself, with your whatever. And you close that prayer out by saying, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. It's not even asking God for forgiveness, it's thank you for your forgiveness. So, with that, let's just have a time where we're prepare your hearts as, as, as the band leads us in music and come up as you're led. Thank you.